Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash boss. Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Ariana, and I am Being Boss. Today, we are talking with Ariana Tabawada about being pregnant and being boss and building a family while you're building a business. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at beingboss.club. All right, you guys have heard us talk a lot about FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. We love it, we use it, but what you might not know is that the all-new FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy accounting software that's completely transformed how freelancers and small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way that you work. So get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. FreshBooks is for owners, not accountants. They've designed their product for the owners who don't want to learn accounting and instead want to focus on what they love to do. You can try FreshBooks for free today, and they're offering you guys a 30-day unrestricted free trial. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. I use them, I love them, I trust them, and I wouldn't recommend them to you guys if I didn't truly think that it would change the way you handle your accounting, invoices, and keeping track of your expenses. Again, go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. Ariana is a maternal health consultant who works with experienced entrepreneurs who are becoming first-time mothers, helping them customize their maternity leave plan and return to work. She is deeply committed to providing ongoing, multifaceted support that meets the professional, physical, mental, social, and emotional needs of entrepreneurs as they baby-proof their business and navigate new motherhood. Prior to her consulting practice, Ariana worked on maternal health issues for over a decade as a health educator, a social worker in a mental health clinic, a reproductive health researcher, and a yoga therapist. She draws from her expertise as a maternal health professional combined with her experience as a business owner and mother to provide highly personalized services so expecting entrepreneurs have the tools and information they need to make decisions and take action when it comes to balancing their business with a new baby. Ariana, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you on the show. I'm thrilled to be here, ladies. So let's just dive right in because we have a lot of our listeners who are mom bosses or maybe they're thinking about starting a family or they might be pregnant for the first or second or third time, but their context of their business has changed and they're trying to figure out how to make it all work, how to have a family and you know, have a business at the same time. So we're super curious to dig right in. Can you share us your top three tips for baby proofing your business while you are newly pregnant or maybe even planning on starting a family? Sure thing. So I went back and and thought about over the years, really what's worked for people, what hasn't worked so well, and, and made a list of really the things that I see are tried and true. Um, you can tweak them to, to work for you and your business. Um, so let's let's dive right in. Um, second trimester is like the golden hour for baby proofing. Um, you know, if you have a, a rough first trimester, I spent I think like four months just chilling next to the toilet. Um, and right, right it, it happens. And so the time when you start feeling like you have a little more energy, that's a great time to really you know, hit the ground, 
running in terms of thinking through the systems that you need, what you can batch, what you can automate, what you can outsource, what you can delegate if you have a team, um, and to really document your, your systems, your procedures, and test, test, test what it's like to, to have you a little bit more hands-off. Um, and I like to say second trimester specifically because, you know, full term is considered 37 weeks. And, you know, a lot of time we're in the mindset of we're going to work until baby comes. Um, and sometimes, I mean, we, all three of us probably know baby comes when baby wants to come. So yeah, my baby came like three weeks late. He was, he was fine with letting me wrap some work up before he came. It wasn't three weeks. It was 10 days. But something that you just said that kind of blew my mind a little bit, and I can't believe I've never thought of it, was actually testing your systems before you have the baby. I felt like whenever I was pregnant, I was just setting things up and making plans, but that there were no dress rehearsals. There were no trial runs. I was just counting on that it would all work itself out. But I love the idea of a trial run. Yeah, I mean, if you already have the team in place or if you've already found someone who can take the stuff on, you, yeah, bet your ass it will be awesome to take a little pilot test and you know, just work out the kinks and see what, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, that it all goes as planned. But if there's little things that need to be worked out, then you aren't working it out with a newborn on the boob. <laughs> right. Right. I never thought about that either. I love that. And I feel hey, that's also really practical for like non-mom bosses. Like testing out your systems like that is really important. But especially at that time, like that second trimester when you do have all the energy, supposedly-ish. I was one of those people, I never got morning sick, ever. It never happened. But I felt queasy for nine months. Ooh. It was awful. <laughs> that's so, I was the same way, Emily. Like I never got sick. But mm-hmm. I was so – I remember I slept my way through three vacations in my first trimester <laughs> because I got pregnant a little bit earlier than I was planning on. And right? I was on all these, like, awesome summer vacations and just slept my way through them. At a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At a Enjoying hotel. the beautiful air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right. So that's a perfect tip number one. What's your next tip? Um, second tip is what I call transition time. Um, so it relates to the first one in terms of giving yourself transition time to transition out of your business. But I also think that it's, you know, self-employed mom bosses being a boss in general, we have kind of the, the privilege, I think, of not having to have a traditional maternity leave where we are completely off one day and completely back to work and on the next day. And so transition time back into your business is something that I hugely advocate for. So the same way that you would kind of test out your business systems, um, giving yourself a buffer to test out childcare with you not having to be on client calls, not having to work on deliverables, um, allowing yourself to test, you know, what it feels like to do kid drop off if you're doing daycare. Um, so giving yourself space to really develop your working mom identity and your, your chops, so to speak, um, on, on the other end. I love that. So I feel like one of the questions that we get most often around this is is how much should I plan on doing or not doing after I have the baby? And my my answer is always like plan for more than you expect where you are not doing anything. But even then, I think my answer has always been driven by the by the traditional idea of you are on maternity leave and then you are right back at it. But this idea of like just sort of dipping your toes back in and slowly getting yourself back into the waters um, is a really great way of looking at that. And that way you can take off as much as you need, but maybe start dipping into email during nap time in a couple of weeks or then taking on client calls or whatever. That's fantastic idea because I also honestly find that when like when your business is your baby, so to speak, your business baby, that, it's hard and you don't even really want to be totally hands off for this, you know, random assigned number of weeks. 
<laughs> that, yeah. you know, no one has decided <laughs> um, what is the perfect number. But if you have the ability to figure out what's the right number of weeks for you, you can totally, I mean, I did, I'm happy to share a little bit of the personal yeah. here, but I did six weeks totally hands off. And then I went back for eight hours a week. So two days, four days four hours each day. And then I added a third day. And then I bumped my hours up for each of those days. And then I added a fourth day every other week. So I was like totally, you know, making walking the road as as I was making it and trying to to figure out what worked. Um, and that I've seen be successful for for other women as well to, to scale up um, the return back to work. Um, and being able to early on do the things that you love, but not having the pressure of having to do everything in one fell swoop. I think that that's a really great point. And I was kind of similar, Ariana. I probably started working around six weeks, even though technically I was giving myself eight weeks of maternity leave. And one of the things I did at six weeks was not jump right into client work, but work on things that I really loved working on that had a little bit more flexibility. So I was creating content. I was writing blog posts. And I've noticed a lot of my creative friends are kind of doing similar things. Whenever they get back into the work that they're doing, they're doing the things that really fuels them and really gives them energy and doesn't deplete it. Right. And I also imagine that whenever you come back from a time like that, like I think of like most recently, we took December off. And there are the things that come up for you first, like the things that you want to get back and do. For me, it wasn't, you know, hitting my inbox. Like, that's not fun (laughs) by any means. Um, But it was getting back in. And for us, it was like starting outlining the book and getting getting started on that really creative stuff so that you can get yourself back into it, doing the work that really like gives you the energy to keep going as opposed to the stuff that once you spend two hours in your inbox, you're going to be angrier (laughs) or more depleted if you're one of those people who don't love your inbox, then you are if you're doing the creative work that really drives you. So I like that idea of of stepping back into it slowly, but also focusing on the work that you want to do most. I could not agree more. I, you also, it gives you a chance to like grasp at this in the midst of such chaotic change and trying to figure out who the hell you are, well sleep deprived and this all these right. new responsibilities. It gives you a sense of, right, this was my identity. This is still part of my identity, even if it's not kind of what is on my mind 24-7 and I have this whole other set of responsibilities, but it 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 gives a sense of grounding to who am I as a professional, not only as a mother, when, when the mother part feels a bit overwhelming. <laughs> Love that. Okay, what is your third tip for baby-proofing your business? So third tip um, is is a no-brainer, but I find that it literally goes you know, right above our heads sometimes, is that when, when you're your boss, when you are the boss, you are your biggest asset for your business. And so to make a, a plan to be taken care of, so you're worrying about and planning for taking care of your business while you're doing that, taking the time looking up the resources, finding the support to make sure that you have your your network of support and those who are going to take care of you. Uh, I cannot agree with this one more. And whenever you were talking earlier about dipping back into business and even handing off your child to daycare, it got me thinking about daycare and finding support systems to help take care of your child. But then during that time, whenever you're dipping your toe back into it, using then that time to take care of yourself. So maybe the first couple of weeks, if you are dropping your kid off at daycare, it's not necessarily, or maybe your mom's coming over to watch the baby, whatever your situation might look like. It's not necessarily going to the coffee shop and hopping on your computer and doing work. It might actually be going to the gym or hitting up the sauna or getting a massage, doing or things. Or taking a nap. <laughs> Hell yeah, to the napping. Help you replenish (laughs) yourself. You guys, I was so anti-napping whenever the baby napped. I'm just going to throw this out there because that's the kind of advice I was constantly getting was to nap when the baby naps, sleep when the baby sleeps. And I'm like, you know what? I'd like to feel like myself when the baby is sleeping. I would like to watch some Netflix. I would like to 
go to the gym. I would like to do other things in my life. The first time I left my kid alone, I got a massage. That was pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I think the first time I ever had like real time out. I remember, God, this is so long ago for me too, guys. It's like a whole other life ago. Um, But David and I went and had tacos and margaritas. (laughs) It's like one of the first memories I have of having those moments. Um, So maybe less napping and more margaritas if that's your jam. So I want to go back to the first point of delegating and having these trial runs. I think that for a lot of bosses who might be listening to this, they have been solopreneurs for a while and doing everything themselves. This might be their first you know, go at even building a team or asking for help. And it might even be something that makes them uncomfortable asking for help with their baby. You know, so I would love to talk about how to hone your delegation skills, not only in work, but in life whenever it comes to your family. Do you have any advice or thoughts around that? Um, yeah, (laughs) let's, (laughs) let's figure out where to start. Um, well, I mean, I think they're they're very transferable. You hinted at this a little, but I use the exact same system to find a nanny as I did to find a VA. I was like, I've never hired a nanny before. I have no idea how to do this. And I was like, but I have hired a VA. And so I went back and looked at my system and realized that it that I was most comfortable when it came to business finding someone based off of referrals. So even though I had, you know, in-depth job description that I could, you know, put out there, blasted on Facebook, Upwork, whatever, what have you, I wanted to go the the referral route. And so I said, okay, let's try that out for, for the nanny too. Um, and it ended up working out really well. So I would say that you you probably have have the skills that it takes to to outsource and delegate, um, even if you're not giving yourself credit for for, for knowing how to do that. <laughs> I want to throw in here that my first nanny also helped with a lot of my assistant work, which is like a fun crossover too. She would come and she would help with um, help with Lily while I was doing some work. Um, but if Lily was ever napping, she would come down and help me file papers or help me like address envelopes for clients, like letters and those sorts of things. So there can be a real crossover there, or it at least is exactly the same process for hiring a nanny as it is hiring a VA. It's just the workload is a little bit different. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in like making a list of all of the possible things that if it was not on your plate, would it make your life easier? And there's a lot of stuff that fits in that category. Like you said, the the paper filing, the in, in my house, it's like the fridge cleaning. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> and just start with if you know, you're going to end up with a big old list and start somewhere, right? That is that is the biggest takeaway is start with one thing. Um, and then see what you can add on from there. One thing I really want to touch on is daycare and childcare. I think that we've all had different situations. Emily, you started working for yourself because you wanted to keep your baby at home with you. I did not. I I thought I might. (laughs) Like, while I was pregnant, I didn't know. And I remember asking all my mom friends who had businesses, like, how do I know what I'm going to want to do? What if I have this baby and I decide I want to quit my job and just be Earth Mother at home? That was always one of my biggest fears. Right? (laughs) Kathleen and I, I remember having this conversation where I was like, Kathleen, I have this fear that you, well, it could go one of two ways. One, she was either going to like do exactly what she ended up doing and like returning to work and bossing out and doing the things. I was like, I also like have this vision of you like sitting in a corner with your baby, like wrapped around your baby and never getting up. So total like earth mother, hermity, adorable mom who can't get enough. And you know, what's funny whenever I think about my life and whenever I think about my work and whenever I think about Fox, both of those things come to mind. Like it really turned out to not be an either or situation. I, whenever I think about Fox, I do think about being wrapped up with him. I think about in those early days, nursing him all night long. I think about just really all the cuddles that we got in. And at the same time, I think about daycare and 
and outsourcing and delegating some of my childcare, which I know can be a really, really tough choice for some women. So Ariana, I'm curious, and I do want to come back to daycare because I have a few thoughts I want to share on that. But um, Ariana, I want to hear from you kind of what you say to new moms who are scared or even um, even some bosses who are listening who might be thinking about starting a family, but they're not because they're afraid that if they start a family, it means that their career is going to be ruined. Like what kind of advice or mindset shifts could you give them to think about it in a new way? I'll pass on the sage wisdom that was given to me. <laughs> and that was that waiting around for the perfect time, it will never arrive. Um, but there's when, you know, whatever the time that you choose is, you're going to make it perfect for you. It's There's no bad choices here. There's just the choice that you make. And, and if you need to pivot, you can pivot, right? There's very few decisions that are, you know, totally irrevocably, you can never, ever take it back. When if you make a decision and you end up in, in a situation that you didn't think was for you, then trust that you have the skills, the confidence, the grace to really find what you need to be able to shift out of, of the current situation and, and build a new one for yourself. It takes, sometimes it takes the right support. Sometimes it takes, um, you know, crying on the shoulder of a few good friends or colleagues, but it is, it is figure outable is, is what I would say. Agreed. And just to like, I don't know, share some things too. I tried them all. Like I remember very early on, I relied on family. And one of the things I learned there is having like, and Kathleen, I think you experienced this too, having having a schedule for family assistance where they know that they're going to come over and hang out with grandkid like every Thursday at whatever time. I think it's really helpful for that sort of scenario. So I started with that and it worked all right. I felt personally that it was putting strain on those like on the relationship that I had with my parents. So um, I ended up starting my business and staying at home with Lily. And then I got a nanny, which I love that scenario a ton. And your, and nanny, then, came to your, your nanny came to your house, right, Emily? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was so in-home. So she'd come over and hang out. And I loved her. She's still a friend of mine. She's super fantastic. It was a great experience for everyone involved. Um, and then... We sent Lily to uh, like part-time daycare for a little while, which we also loved. Thought it was really great. It was a really great arrangement for everyone. Um, the daycare was really close to our house and work. And that was at a time in my business where I was really like doubling down on a lot of things. I needed Lily like off somewhere. That worked really great. And then it was about time for, I guess, kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten, which is full-time daycare, basically. And that's where I hit a place where it was inconvenient for me and also not a great experience um, really for anyone involved. And that brought me back to homeschooling, which is something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I was one of those pregnant people who like, you know, some people are like super hardcore breastfeeding or like whatever it is you preach, I was preaching homeschool. Like that was what I was going to do as a pregnant lady. Homeschooled from the womb. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. So Lily went through kindergarten, which was great um, for some reasons. And um, then we decided to bring her home. But even now, like she has enough things out in the world where it's still kind of part-time daycare. Like that's that's what we found. So we tested every single option along the way over the years and found what worked for us. And none of it like caused irreparable damage <laughs> and none of it like wrecked any relationships or I hope none of it causes a need for therapy in the future. Um, but we definitely like put ourselves through the paces, checked out all the options and found the scenario that worked right for all of us. And I think if you take my usual test and change mindset into to this as well, then you'll find what works for you. And there's no reason to like feel overly judgmental or afraid or anything. You just got to treat it like every other decision you make. Yeah, this is something that both of you have brought up is really being able to trust yourself that you'll be able to make the decisions and you can always change your mind. And I remember that was one of the things that brought me the most peace whenever it came to even worrying about, oh my gosh, what if this ruins my career? I trusted that I could figure it out. Like if I decided that I had the baby and I didn't want to work anymore, 
that would be my decision at the time and I would be perfectly okay with letting go of my business. I mean, maybe not. So here's another thing that someone said to me recently that I thought was really brilliant. I wish I could remember who said it. But it was that you're going to mourn your decisions. Like no matter what the decision is, there's always something to mourn. So even whenever you're having a baby, guess what? You're going to have to mourn your life as it was whenever you were able to do anything you wanted, anytime you wanted. You're going to mourn your sleep. But you have this whole other thing that you can focus your attention on and it's going to be worth it for you. Like, And you have to trust that it's going to be worth it for you. And people have to have this. This happens with people even whenever they quit a day job. They have to mourn the security that comes with a steady paycheck. And now they're going to embrace creative entrepreneurship. So no matter what decision you make, there's always going to be something on the other side that you're going to have to mourn a little bit, but it will be okay and you can always change your mind. Yeah, agreed. That is huge. I was just at a conference where we were talking about motherhood and grief (laughs) and that it's one of the like the shit no one tells you when you are pregnant like is that you will be in a constant state of mourning and you have to learn how to hold that simultaneously with this constant excitement and new growth and change Um, and learning how to hold both is so important. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think that's one of the ways that I really grew in becoming a mom was learning how to hold both, like holding this new identity of being a mom with my old identity of being a wild, carefree adventurer. And I I think that that's just such a good, interesting point and that there is a lot of grief and mourning that comes with having a baby. Hopefully not so much that you're bawling all the time, but even if you are, there's help for you there as well. All right, so I want to talk about, though, after you have a baby, or maybe even before you have the baby, what are the best ways to build, both in your business and in your personal life, support networks, and um, and just how do you start to like gather that help that you need? So I use a little something called an eco map. Um, And if you're a visual person, the eco map is great. And if you're a list person, you can learn how to use the eco map and build your lists into it. But if you, you know, if you imagine for a minute, it's, it's circles around circles around circles. So a concentric circle design and you're at the minute, you're at the middle and you start thinking about in your immediate surroundings who who can you lean on so sometimes it's family sometimes it's friends sometimes especially if you're a business owner you're like I have no one in my you know and then I can physically reach out and touch so then we know it's a gap and you need to fill in that gap with you know local supports you can reach out and see if there's Uh, a local mom's group. You can, if, you know, if we're going into Kathleen, what you mentioned, if you're crying all the time and find yourself at the need professional support health, you can figure out where are the mental health, the maternal mental health specialists in my area. And so you start at that intimate level and then we go out and I do this with all my clients. We go out to the next concentric circle and we think about family or friends or other, you know, business comes into this a lot of times, colleagues, business besties, Um, who you can reach out to and rely on for other types of support. Sometimes it's, um, you know, people will give you as a present a kind of grocery store (laughs) delivery package or people will send um, home-cooked meals or people can organize um, a meal train for you. This is, you hear me talking about food. This is like the number one thing that, that I love to get people to think about outsourcing in those immediate postpartum months is get yourself fed. Um, but to, to come back to the circle, if you think about all those different layers, um, like, like you would an onion, right? The postpartum experience, you can kind of uncover what do I need immediately? What do I need in the next few weeks? Who are the people that are maybe a little farther out from my immediate area that I can rely on? And who are the, the professionals that I might need? And professionals when it comes to physical, mental, individual health, but also the professionals that I would need to help me as a business owner. Um, so that gets into the outsourcing conversation for sure. And it gets into the the different levels and layers that you can start to, to unpack. The, you know, the complexity of this transition can be 
mapped out really nicely and it can be brought into lists, but it's nice to have uh, a tool to think about all those different layers. I love this so much. I literally just drew out my eco map (laughs) and on the top part of my circles, I have all my personal support, including not only people and coaches and resources along those lines, but systems, including Amazon Prime is on there, right? Blue Apron, not a sponsor of the podcast. And then on the on the bottom half, I definitely have the people that like Emily is. So on my little ecosystem, it's like my husband is on the top. I can only help so much from here. (laughs) Emily and my sister on the bottom. But whenever it comes to like, if I were to get pregnant today, who would I go to first? It would be Emily and my sister and my husband, right? And so they're in that like next circle. And then I've got some other coworkers and creative colleagues, my Facebook communities, um, and then including the systems and processes that help me automate things more and just not forgetting that those tools are there for you as well. Even if you don't have a whole lot of people in your life, you can start to create systems that will make things easier for you. I love this so much. I didn't realize how hard of a time I had asking for help until after I had my baby. And, you know, you talk about food. Only two people brought me food after I had my baby. And I think that people are shocked whenever I tell them that because they would imagine that I have so many friends and family. Like, why isn't everybody bringing me food? Well, one, I was super picky about what I was eating at the time. And... Two, I think that they just assume that I had it because I usually do. Like I come across as this really super confident boss, but at some point I had to ask for help. And for me, I remember the day that I had to really ask for help was my husband took five weeks off with me after I had the baby. And on that sixth week, he started to go back to work. And I told him, don't go. I was like, don't leave me. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I I don't. I don't have this. And so he stayed home with me for another week and I steeled up my courage. And after he did go back to work, I loaded the baby up in the car and I drove down to my closest daycare that has a good reputation. So just like you were talking about, Ariana, I got some references and I walked into the daycare and I remember Fox was so teeny tiny and I was wearing him in like a Sakura Bloom yellow sling and just looking around and thinking, how am I ever going to drop my baby off here to let other people take care of him? I went home and I Googled reasons why daycare is awesome. And I found all the articles that I was reading were talking about daycare as a consolation prize. Like, oh, it's it's not so good, but here's here's why you're going to be okay. And what I wanted was an article talking about like, no, here's why this is a really positive thing and could be even better than your baby hanging out at home with you all day. Like that's the article I needed. And that article didn't exist. So I decided to write it myself. And I wanted to just share a few of those points from that article that might help some particularly mom bosses or women who are thinking about starting a family but are freaked out about working from home with the baby, which is a big societal expectation for creative entrepreneurs to work from home with their baby. So if you're thinking about daycare. permanently saved in my content library and goes out on a loop. So share away. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. That's so good to hear. Okay. So a few things I want to tell you is that first, daycare is an investment. It's not an expense. I hear so many women talking about daycare eating up their entire salary. Well, one, if you're in a partnership and your partner is working as well, this is a shared household expense. It does not just come out of the person who gave birth to the baby or the mom's role. You know, it doesn't just come out of your bank account. It is a shared expense. Um, Also, it's an investment. So for me, even if I'm paying 100% of my salary towards childcare, for me, recognizing that my kid is only going to be a baby for so long, at some point he's going to be in school or 18 years old and out of my house, like what am I doing for myself? What am I trying to build for me? Um, and daycare affords me that time to build that thing for myself. So for me, I very much see it as an investment and not a cost or an expense. All right, point number two, and you guys feel free to interject at any point if you have additional thoughts on any of these. We all hear that it takes a village 
to raise a baby. But then whenever it comes to actually having the baby, people are saying things like, well, I didn't have a baby to have someone else raise it. And I think that these kinds of comments are so hurtful to women and so hurtful to a community that wants to love and support you and your baby. So once I started taking my baby to daycare, I remember one day I walked in and I saw one of the daycare workers. Her name is Taylor. Um... She didn't know I was there and she had Fox and she was kind of like, you know, tossing him in the air and then like kissing his cheek and they were just having a blast together. And I could tell that she really, truly loved him. And I know that this isn't always the case for all people, but seeing that love made me realize that by sending my son to daycare, I'm expanding his circle of people that love and care for him. Um, and, And it just really got me super excited and made me feel like I was making the right choice. So that's my thoughts on It Takes a Village. It does take a village. And I'm going to circle back really quick to what you mentioned when it came to only two people brought you meals is that, you know, the eco map, part of it is mapping it out to see for yourself what you've got, you know, your assets and, and the deficits, so to speak. But the second half of it is is making the asks because these people don't know that you're drawing them in as, as your pillars of postpartum support and the pillars to to making your transition back to work as a success. So you have to a communicate that to them. And, and I always like to tell people make a specific ask. So don't just be like, yeah, I love your support and please help me and please come over. Like say, yes, I want you there. Like, five days after I give birth, doing laundry and making me some chocolate chip cookies or whatever you you need at that moment. Um, and let people know how they can help. Uh, I love that so much. And I would say even before you have the baby, because for me, a, a part of my frustration and exhaustion after having the baby came with, I don't want to have to delegate one more thing in my life. Like I'm already running a business like a boss. I don't even know how to ask or manage more people to do the things that I want them to do. So I would say in that second trimester golden hour, like you described it, Ariana, make a list of literally your favorite foods. (laughs) Make a list of how often you like to take a shower or go to the gym. And you can start to figure out the things that you could make those specific asks for. Like, hey, I need you to come over and hold my baby while I go work out. Or, hey, I need you to bring me some Indian food whenever I am five days postpartum. And there's lots of cool systems and apps now for women postpartum for meal deliveries. I'm sure you know more of those, Ariana, that people could tap into to use. Yeah, Meal Train is my favorite. Again, not a sponsor of the podcast in any way, but it's it's basically a little calendar crowdsourcing your meals for for any kind of event um for you know i think can can go up to a few months um so you can get i had my meals taken care of for like six weeks after the baby was born and that was great so nice the final thing i want to mention whenever it comes to daycare or whatever you choose is that it's not always perfect and that is totally okay so there have definitely been times whenever I remember early on Fox's breast milk got swapped with another kiddo. <laughs> and so they were drinking other mom's breast milk, which is fine. Like in general, I'm fine with it. <laughs> but that was like, what? And I, I do think that a lot of his sleep issues did stem from some lack of structure at daycare. So like there were things about it that I didn't super love, of course, But I worked around it. And just like you were talking about, Ariana, I trusted that I could go to the daycare provider and say, hey, this thing isn't really working for us. What are some alternatives? What are some solutions? How can we work around this? And they were more than willing to work with me on it. So and I've also changed my mind since then. Fox is actually not in daycare anymore. One of his teachers that he really created a bond with left to become a private nanny and I had the opportunity to send him with her. So now he has a nanny who he loves and it's because our context changed. He got older and he started requiring different things including like going on adventures or 
eating organic. Like there are some things I didn't have control over at daycare that I now do have control over with a nanny and it's working for us. But our context will always change as will our needs and support systems. And I can always change my mind. Well, and that's the thing I think I want to point out the most is that like none of us go into this having anything figured out. Like we all have like these like expectations or hopes and these like inklings of how we'll want to do it. But I think the magic of making it work is staying open to all of the possibilities. Like even think of a friend of ours who recently had a baby and like had a creative business. And I remember talking to her about like going back to work, what her plans were. And she was like, I don't really have plans. Like I plan to be at home with the baby for the first six weeks, and then I'm just going to see what I want to do. And I think that whenever you can go into these, like the idea of having a business that you run yourself and being your own boss is that you can be as flexible as you need and want to be. And you have to do some work, absolutely, to make that happen, but it's worth it. And the fact that you can go into, you know, your six weeks of uh, of maternity leave and then decide to slowly work back into it or decide to go back into it and take your kid to daycare if that's what you feel like doing or if it's taking another six weeks, God bless you if you can do that. I love that, but it's totally possible if you put the things in place to make that happen. So it is about staying open to all the options and not closing yourself off because I think whenever it comes to the anxiety and overwhelm of bringing a new baby into the world and the sleep deprivation, because my God, that's such a real thing, and all of the things, you will naturally begin to close yourself off. That's just part of like this, this like closing yourself around your baby and protecting yourself and the baby you close yourself off to all of the possibilities and opportunities and the more you can work to keep yourself open to all the things that are out there and the fact that you have a voice that you can ask for help and all of those things. Um, one, I think the less likely it is that you'll have some postpartum depression issues because you have these structures in place and you're tapping into them, um, but you're open to all of the options that there are to help you make this work because there are a lot of options. Um, you just have to stay open to them. I think that's a skill for sure that learning to make, learning to A, be comfortable, but also make decisions with uh, an ever-present level of uncertainty. Right. right. Welcome so... to entrepreneurship and motherhood and all of the things. Guys. I know there's so <laughs> many parallels. Another thing I want to mention, because I was very much pro like going back to work and sending my baby to daycare. And I want to mention that that was my choice. That does not have to be your choice. And I've seen a lot of moms and creative entrepreneurs rock it in so many different ways. I was recently at a conference, well, actually well over a year ago, I was at Designer Vacay and I remember Jessica Hish showed up and she's like an amazing typographer. Those of you who are design nerds, you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, she had her baby in a carrier. And that's another thing I love about these conferences with creative entrepreneurs who are starting families is that everyone's just bringing their kid or their kid is at home with the husband and we're swapping stories on the side. Um, and then there are some women there that don't have kids and they're tapping everyone's brains being like, okay, but what's it really like? So this is another thing. It's just having a tribe of people that you can ask and have honest conversations with has been one of the most beautiful things about creating a support network more in a, like an emotional capacity and just knowing that I'm not alone. Um, and really having that time face to face with these women is so valuable. Anyway, I wanted to mention that Jessica Hish, I remember she was talking, she was giving a talk with her baby in a little carrier on her chest. And she was talking about how she had been living in San Francisco for two years and one of her friends from New York, where she had lived previously, texted her one morning and was like, hey, do you want to grab brunch? And she was like, I've been across the country for two years and you didn't even know. And so her point was, if you have a baby and you want to bow out for a couple of years, nobody is going to notice and nobody is going to care. You can always jump back into this thing full force whenever you're completely ready, whether that's two weeks in or three years in or 20 years in. You get to make the choices for yourself. All right, Ariana, let's come back to you. Emily and I have been gabbing a lot about our experience. 
Um, what should every pregnant entrepreneur know about having a baby and how will it affect their business? Like if you could give anyone who is newly pregnant or thinking about starting a family or maybe even on their second baby, but they've just ventured into creative entrepreneurship, what what should they really know? Like what is your best nuggets or tidbits of advice for them? I mean, this, it totally, you know, builds right on, I think, the points that, that we've been making in the past few minutes is that no one structure is going to work for everybody. But that also means that as, as bosses, we get to decide what, what the structure or structures are that, that'll work for us along the trajectory of our boss and motherhood journey. Um, and similar to the way that you figure out what shifts and pivots are needed in your business, trust that that, that same skill set will apply to, to, the, to being able to you know, do, do the figure out dance of what you need when it comes to parenthood. Um, and I've seen things like maternity leave for two weeks work, and I've seen it, you know, extended for a year and a half work, and I've seen everything in between. Um, so know that there's not one right way, that there's lots of right ways, and that you'll find the right ways um, when you when you are walking it. <laughs> okay, I have a few more questions. Yes. What about all the mom guilt? The mom guilt. Like, do you ever have clients coming to you and they just feel guilty about everything? Well, yeah, I mean, you and and I'm there, right? I'm like in the thick of it. <laughs> um, so you feel guilty about putting in extra hours to, you know, deliver a project. You feel guilty about declining a project so that you don't have to put in extra hours. It's, you know, it pops up every every which way. And then if you're me, you feel guilty for feeling guilty and you're like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Intellectually, I know that this is mom guilt. Why am I suffering from it? Right. The, the rabbit hole of guilt. And so, I mean, stepping back is is the, the kind of tool of choice. Um, but to get even more specific, something that I, that I use and that I work with uh, my clients on is like really... If you were talking to a friend right now, if you put yourself in the place of someone who's not you, if you remove yourself from the situation a little, like what would you say to that friend? And can you talk to yourself and treat yourself with that same level of compassion and patience um, and understanding that there is a learning curve and that at the end of the day, you're, you're going, you're doing just fine. You're doing it and and you're rocking it, right? I remember... Actually, I, that was my lesson, like from birth, that has served me to to motherhood. Um, as you know, in my journey to motherhood thus far, is that every time I was like, "What am I doing? What's going on?" While I was in labor, my midwife was like, "You're rocking it. You're rocking it." And she, that was like the mantra. And I was like, "Okay, I guess this is what rocking it is like." So that's that is the lesson learned. Is even if it doesn't feel like it, you're rocking it because you're doing it. I love that. That's such like a life lesson. Rocking it does not feel like rocking it. It just is doing it. You got it. I love looking for little clues that I'm on the right track. And for me, this is synchronicity. So looking for clues of synchronicity, like little winks from the universe that I'm doing okay. And so a most recent example of this was Fox finally slept through the night at three years old. One night. High five. And I rewarded him the next morning with a donut. So we're sitting in the donut shop. He's eating a donut that's in the shape of a green star. Or it's a star with green icing and sprinkles on it. And I was feeling so bad. I was starting to feel guilty about feeding him sugar. One, because he had a little bit of a cold. Two, because I would like for him to be eating more protein. You know, just stuff like that. So I'm sitting there watching him eat his donut, Instagramming about it. And all of a sudden, this Four Non Blonde song comes on. And it's like the one that's like, when I wake up in the morning and I step outside. Okay, I sing that song every morning his first year because we would be up six to eight times a night. And I would just feel insane in the morning. And so that song really resonated with me. And that song started playing at the donut shop while he was eating his donut. And I was like, all right, universe, you are good with this donut. So am I. <laughs> We're on the right track. Handled. So, it's handled. 
Um, okay. Another question is like, what about online support systems? Like, how do you feel about these mommy groups in Facebook? Because I was really all about it until I started really feeling in my personal life. I never feel mommy wars or mom judgment. Everyone is team feed your baby, no matter how you have to feed it. Um, everyone is you know, do what you got to do to get sleep, whether that's cry it out or putting your baby in your bed or just not getting any sleep. Like you just do what you got to do, right? But then whenever I started joining these mommy groups, I started feeling really judged, even though nobody's judging me. So how do you feel about mom groups and kind of like creating online support systems? I think mom groups have a time and place <laughs> at, at for everyone at some point in the journey. Um, it might not be right away. It might be, you know, a certain struggle or challenge that triggers you to join a, a very specific type of support. Um, and I would say that, you know, there's lots of places besides Facebook to find that. So Facebook is kind of the easy access point. Yes. You know, if you, if you're able to find something easily and it works for you, do it. If it's not working for you, if you're if you really know that every time you go there, you're like in for, for more of a hassle than, than help, then figure out, like, I, I swore I wouldn't need any in-person mom friends. I was like, eh, I don't really think I have much in common with these other moms around. And then I ended up joining one, like three months after my baby was born. And it was great because it was what I needed at that time. Uh, I love that. I think coming back to your eco map, like if you're looking at your eco map, you're not looking at Facebook as that second ring, which I think a lot of us end up doing. And that's when we get into trouble. Like Facebook for me, the, a mom group, whenever I was sketching out my eco map, as you're talking about it, it's one of my very last rings. So maybe even in the middle of the night, that's like something I'm going to if Fox is having um, like a stuffy nose and I'm freaking out about it, I might go to Facebook then because someone might be able to respond to me then. But otherwise, I'm going to go to my mom. I'm going to go to my husband. I'm going to go to his nanny first or his doctor, <laughs> like not Facebook. And that's one of the beauties. Yeah. I feel like I've had the conversation about mom groups several times over the past couple of months. And my answer has always been like, know what support it is that you want. Because a lot of times parents or husbands or whoever would be like, oh, you just need a mom group as like the sort of cure-all solution for your sitting at home with a baby alone all day. But it really may not be the support that you need, or it may be just the support that you need. I don't think you should take the um, the request to like join a mom group as the solution for whatever problem someone is seeing. Um, but know what it is that you are wanting to solve, what sort of support you need before diving into those things. Because in my experience too, they can be a little more like the kind of group where you're just bitching about the bad shit <laughs> to like have a place to vent and not actually being productive in the ways that you need. Right. Or, or having that place to vent and not having expectations about your help coming from that space, <laughs> the help you need. Definitely. Right. Maybe you need a place to vent, <laughs> in which case find one of those mom groups. But it may not, um, it may not just be the default solution for whatever problem you're trying to solve. I'm also an advocate and this is my like social worker hat. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to put on my, my social worker hat and advocate advocate um, mentality for a little bit and talk about that sometimes the, sometimes the level of help you need is at a professional level of help. And you're not going to find it no matter how many in-person mom groups you go to or how many like infant swim class or infant massage class or, or how many Facebook groups you find. So know too, that that is available. You know, if you don't have any of those professional supports on your eco map, on your radar, um, then figure out what are some in your area that, that you can rely on should you need it. This is so important. I ended up having postpartum depression that went undiagnosed because I looked fine. I was getting up. I was putting on makeup. I was rocking out two businesses. I was doing all the things, but I felt so isolated and lonely and sad, but not all the time. Like I could still have a good time and laugh. And so the fact is, 
I didn't think I looked like a depressed person, so I didn't even recognize that I needed help, again, with asking for help. So I remember I went in to see my midwife about getting sterilized because I want to make sure I never put myself through this situation ever again. And she was like, okay, I can totally do that for you. But first, let's look at your mental health. Maybe you need a little Zoloft. Maybe you need to talk to someone, both of which I did. And no shame around those things. And I just wanted to share that because you might not look depressed or you might not look like what you think a depressed person looks like if you've never experienced depression. And I think the thing that really blew my mind at the time was that it's a spectrum. Like I thought that you were either depressed or you weren't. I didn't know that there was a spectrum of sadness or isolation or loneliness or feeling disconnected. So I I just wish that there were better systems put in place in women's health and postpartum care to recognize these things. I feel like after six weeks, they're really just looking at your vagina to make sure that you're okay, and then they send you along your way. Like they're not looking at anything else. And I think that's like so upsetting. So what would you recommend to someone like Do you think that they should get in touch with their doctor first or their OBGYN? For me, that was the easiest place to start. What about, what do you think, Ariana? If you're regularly in contact with a primary care provider, yes, by all means. There's a great resource that I'll make sure we link up in the the show notes. Um, But it's basically a checklist that you can administer yourself and and hand off when you're at an appointment. It can be a primary care appointment for yourself or it can be um, a, a well child visit. Um, so you can literally, you know, ask someone for help without having to say the words. Um, and, and then there's the route of going directly um, and seeking out mental, uh, mental health care um, through a, a therapist, um, social worker, you know, depending on what state you're in, depends on who can provide those services. And the, the best resource that I like to give out for that is um, Postpartum Support International's Warm Line. So not a hotline, a warm line. It's a place to call when you're not in a moment of crisis, when you think you might need some help but aren't sure where to go, and their their trained volunteers can help you figure out where there's a mental health provider near you that can help, specifically who's trained in maternal mental health issues. Yeah, I'd say even if you think you have zero depression, go ahead and go to these websites and check out these resources and look at this because you might not even be able to recognize it in yourself, especially if you're in the thick of it. Agreed. All right, Ariana, what makes you feel most boss? What makes me feel most boss is being fed. <laughs> being fed food that I have not cooked. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here. Yes. Right. I love that. <laughs> it's really love figuring. That. I mean, the theme of what makes me feel boss is learning how to be taken care of and accepting being taken care of because I and we and everyone out there do so much taking care of others and, and running the show. So knowing how to, how to let yourself receive what you provide for others is a big part of the boss equation for me. All right. And finally, we'll be sure to include a lot of this in the show notes, but where can our listeners find more and learn more about you? Sure thing. My home on the interwebs is just my name.com, which is not easy to spell. <laughs> so I'll spell it out. It's uh, Ariana Taboada, A-R-I-A-N-N-A-T-A-B-O-A-D-A.com. And you can actually download the the EcoMap, the workbook I was talking about. Um, it's right there. If, if you if you are expecting or you think you're going to be expecting, I highly recommend um, downloading that and, and playing around with it to see what the future might look like for you. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. And I know that so many of our bosses who are thinking about starting families or are newly pregnant or even thinking about expanding their families. I know if I ever have another baby, which I'm committed to one and done, but I just saw that Beyonce is pregnant with twins. (laughs) So maybe I'm going to have to like keep going. (laughs) Right now you're I I need a wink from the universe. Um, But no, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a delight being able to talk to you. 
All right, bosses, get ready for some online business insights. Kathleen and I firmly believe that a significant way to build financial security into your business is by creating a recurring revenue stream. What this means is that your customers are paying you regularly, usually monthly, for whatever it is you're offering. But the reality of this is that finding a system that will actually get that money into your hand without you hunting down your payment every month is difficult, unless you have a handy tool that will take care of it for you. This is where Acuity Scheduling has your back. With Acuity, you can not only schedule your appointments and take payments, which we find pretty boss in itself, but you can also sell memberships or subscriptions to these appointments. Think massage therapists, coaches, and more so that you can find some stability in knowing that you'll be raking in cash without having to manage the collection. Put your scheduling and payment collection on autopilot through Acuity Scheduling. Sign up for your free trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin. With support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.